Welcome to the Monday, September 14th edition of the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. I am Kevin Cole, and I am joined by another member of our research and development team and fellow PFF data scientist, Ben Brown. We're going to discuss the betting and DFS angles for the two games tonight. The two, we get two, Monday Night Football contests. But first, what we're going to do, Ben, is we're going to try to figure out what actionable info we learned today. It was a wild opening Sunday. And to make sense of that, we're going to try to decipher signal from noise, and we're going to play a little game on a number of themes that came out of today. We're going to play buy, sell, or hold. So we're going to get right into it, Ben. And first for you, you know, the Patriots won today. Cam performed pretty well on the ground, okay through the air. So do you think Cam Newton is a perfect fit for this Patriots team? Yeah, I mean, their defense, I guess, had a 50% success rate. In 2019, they led the league in EPA allowed per defense, 38.9% success rate in 2019. So I think if they can get close to that, of course, if they can get that defensive performance, which we see regress sometimes from year to year, I think that they're definitely going to be in line to actually win that AFC East. I know Cam Newton basically dropped back, what, 22 times. He attempted only 19 passes with just a 5.6 average depth of target. But um, I think that's kind of what this offense needs at this point. If they're going to get the stellar play from the defense, then I do think they are definitely the favorite here in the AFC East. I probably like them more than I like the Bills. I do think the Patriots have, you know, the better defense and the better quarterback. So I am probably buying into Cam being the perfect fit for this current Patriots team, I guess. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, we, everyone's concerned about the weapons, and it's nice when, hey, Cam, why don't you just run the ball a bunch of times right. and, and, and use your legs there? So I, I, I do think the, the fit really, really works there. Yep. So I guess another guy that popped off the page for me, Josh Jacobs, tied our, our own Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with 25 rush attempts in week one. Are you buying Josh Jacobs as the running back one overall in fantasy this year? I mean, that, you know, I always take the field, right? I always take the field when it comes down to something like, like running back one. But I'm going to put this in the hold category. I don't want to say sell because the concern with Jacobs coming into this season was, you know, he's going to be the guy. He's going to get the carries. But they had some other options. Now, first, you know, the, the, they made the trade um, and, and they got rid of uh, a Lin Bowden out of there so that he was a potential guy to take some receptions from him. And then in this game, he got two-thirds of the target. So he was targeted uh, – uh, of the of the other options in the backfield and people were worried about Jalen Richard and other guys uh, stepping into that so because of the fact that he can get the receiving work and the rushing work I think he's a very valuable option now the reason I don't think he's going to be the number one guy or maybe even one of the top few guys is they're not going to play the Carolina Panthers every single week they're not going to have that sort of uh, that sort of offensive explosion so that's why I would just be holding and not buying at this point yeah, I can definitely agree. I mean, he did force 10 missed tackles today. I think 36% of his attempts went for a first down or a touchdown. I don't necessarily see that happening against uh, probably a little bit better of defense at this point in time. So I'm with you on that idea. They'd probably be selling or holding. So we'll see what happens with the Raiders here in 2020. Okay, Ben. So we saw vintage Aaron Rodgers today. So does angry Aaron, did, did, did we finally do it? Did analytics, Twitter bully him so much? And his own his own front office bully him by drafting Jordan Love. That now he's decided, you know, I'm just going to turn it on. I'm going to go back to pre 2015 Rodgers and run away with the NFC North. Yeah, I mean, pending review, he had a 93.5 passing grade, which would be the highest for the Week One slate. Six big time worthy throws, so um, he definitely looked the part of 
what I would say is 2014 Aaron Rodgers. He had the 82.9% adjusted completion percentage, but I'm probably buying more into the fact that the Vikings secondary might be one of the worst units in the NFL than I'm expecting to see vintage Aaron Rodgers in 2014 where he was essentially dropping dimes for you know the entire season so do we see some more solid performances from Aaron Rodgers I would definitely buy into that but is he going to lead the league in passing grade uh, for the 2020 season I don't think that's necessarily going to happen so I'm not quite ready to recrown Aaron Rodgers after his week one performance so I would probably put this in the hold category for me as well what are your thoughts on it I mean, if you're a true analytics guy, you got to be selling, selling, <laughs> selling hard into this. We've seen singular great performances, especially in prime time of Aaron Rodgers. And everyone says, Aaron Rodgers is back. Aaron Rodgers is back. You know, it's the fool me once, shame on you. Uh, you know, George Bush, fool me. You might fool me again or whatever, or however, however he ended that. So that, that's what I would say here. I, I would be selling this, but there's always hope. We always hope, yep. So let's let's take it back with some more veteran quarterbacks. Of course, we saw Tom Brady. Is Tom Brady more over the hill than Drew Brees? Are either of these players or teams frontrunners in the NFC at this point in time? I mean, I think the the Saints probably are. The thing about Brees is the reason I'm more confident in him is, number one, he was good last year. Brady was not good last year. So this is kind of a continuation of struggles for Brady. Uh, Breeze has had down games. He has down games sometimes. And even in this game, you know, he didn't have a overwhelmingly negative performance. Uh, he wasn't able to push the ball down the field, but that Bucks defense is vastly improved. This is not a Tampa Bay, New Orleans, in the dome type of matchup that we would have talked about a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, where we would have expected an offensive explosion on both sides. So for that reason, I'm more confident in Breeze. And you have to be you have to be confident in what that defense was able to do, and that's a positive sign for them. So I still think they're they're looking very strong in the NFC this year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna buy the fact that Brady is more over the hill than Breeze and that the Saints really do have a better shot in the NFC. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what the uh, NFC South uh you know, division title odds come out here at after this game because I think they're going to be uh, a lot more separated than what we saw before the preseason. So we'll see. Okay, so DeAndre Hopkins was soaking in targets like he never left the Texans. Is this something that you're buying? <laughs> I'm buying into it. So I actually kind of bought into DeAndre Hopkins a little bit in the offseason. I thought that they would probably target him heavily. Of course, he received the highest target share of anybody in week one. He had the fifth highest air yards share percentage. There were a few people, I think like Edelman, um, Edelman and Ruggs, who kind of did it on lower volume passing teams. So they saw a higher percentage of the air yards. But Thielen and Metcalf were just a little bit in front of Hopkins. But outside of that, with his target share, the amount of targets he was seeing in the air, this is definitely something I'm kind of buying into. And I do think they're going to utilize and focus on getting Hopkins the ball in this Cardinals offense. So I'm definitely buying into him in fantasy. And I do think that, you know, the Cardinals looked like a pretty sneaky team at this point. So I guess the next question then that I'd be pushing back to you is, are the 49ers, is the Super Bowl hangover real? Is this something that uh, is going to trend, this trend is going to continue in 2020? 49ers essentially not going to be able to produce like what they did in 2019? I mean, I think the 49ers' success was a little bit fragile because it was based on defense. As we know, it's not as sticky as offense year over year. But if you look specifically at this game, uh, Garoppolo you know, was missing a lot, of, a lot on offense. 
he played okay. And then if you look at the game, it really turned on a few plays. There was a 22-yard scramble touchdown from Kyler Murray. There was a blown coverage on DeAndre Hopkins, which you know led them down within the one-yard line. There was a blocked punt. And the Cardinals just vastly outperformed the 49ers on third down. And that's something that can also be you know something that's a very high-leverage situation, but not necessarily sticky. So you know they could have pulled this game out at the end at the end too against an improved Cardinals team. So I'm not going to I'm not going to buy the fact that it's a hangover at this point. Um, although I would say going into the season, I may not have been as enthusiastic on the 49ers as some others. Right. Yeah. I like that. Side All right. Last. Like that side. Um, so Russ was finally looked like he was cooking today. Is this going to lead to a Super Bowl? Are you buying the, 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 the Super Bowl chances now for the Seattle Seahawks? I mean, I feel like I'm placing a lot of my faith in Pete Carroll if I do say yes to this. I mean, Seahawks had 58 offensive plays. Uh, Wilson dropped back on 39 of those for a 67% pass to rush ratio split. If I could get that from Pete Carroll every single game, I would be buying fully into the let, let Russ cook to the Super Bowl sort of narrative. But... I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. I do think that they uh, kind of loosen the strings on what they let Russell Wilson do when they're away, it seems like. I think they get more comfortable at home, try to pound the ball a little bit more with Chris Carson. So, I don't know. I do think that the Seahawks are firmly in control of the NFC West, though. So, I am probably at least buying them as favorites in the NFC West at this point. So, we'll see. I guess last buy or sell. We saw, you know, some pretty decent upsets in week one are you buying into the jets on uh you know essentially trevor lawrence watch at this point when getting that first overall pick yeah i'm buying it i mean they obviously had a lot of issues as far as uh players opting out cj mosley they lost jamal adams and now we look at this performance and you know you got better the other contenders there uh one of the strong ones would have been the jaguars and you see what they're able to do on offense and gardner Minshew looks like he could be a better quarterback at this point in time than sam the sam darnold so i'm uh, yeah i'm buying first pick watch and maybe new york will have another savior to come to come in there next season and then ultimately <laughs> disappoint as as things work okay yes. let's 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 go to monday night football here because like i said we got two games so let's try to let's try to hit these as well as we can the first thing that i'm going to discuss very briefly is is the showdown uh the slate the the targets were, that we're looking at in this and you know showdown is the single game dfs format and i'm gonna i'm gonna hit first you know saquon barkley is going to be the big guy on the slate we haven't projected for over 20 percent captain ownership uh close to 60 percent in flex ownership so it's, it's almost like every single lineup is going to have him in some capacity but at least my projections are fading him a bit and are higher on guys like james connor who i, I will it'll be interesting to see how, how how much ownership he has at a very high price but i still think he's going to get a, a similar workload and especially high on someone like juju smith schuster who you could pair with ben roethlisberger uh, is there anything that you've seen in this in this matchup from a betting perspective that could be interesting yeah, I mean, everyone's really bought into the Steelers. I think it's, you know, that Ben Roethlisberger reunion, you know, revenge tour sort of thing. Because they opened up at three and a half point favorites. They pushed all the way out to 5.5 or even six, depending on the book. Um, it seems like a vast majority of the tickets printed, but even higher percentage of the cash have been on the Steelers. So I'm not sure of the few who the few brave souls are that are buying into the Giants on Monday night. But I'm not necessarily looking at that. Um, on that side of the ball. So I do think Saquon Barkley is actually a pretty decent fade. Of course, you know, the Steelers have the top returning defensive unit according to our Massey grading system. Um, and the totals kind of dropped significantly too. It's moved down three points since the open. It kind of is now sitting basically at 45. I think 46 is essentially the 
most key number from a total perspective. So I do think that move down from where it was at to where it currently sits is pretty significant. So I'm wondering, when you see totals and stuff like that move around, does it play into any showdown decisions? Are you looking more for you know defensive positions or anything like that when you see some totals dropping? Or is it essentially you're still looking to get those high volume running backs in as much as you can in those lineups? Yeah, I mean, a lot of my optimal projections are based upon matching with similar games, and that is based upon the the spread in total in, uh, to a pretty high degree. So it's going to bring different uh, matches into the system, which is going to bring different optimal allocations for, for the captain position. Yeah, defense is going to go up. Kicker is going to go up as, a, as an option because just the amount of points are going to be scored uh, via field goal versus touchdown is going to be a higher ratio. So that brings them into play. And what, what it also brings into play is players who may you know just get one touchdown but not do much else, um, especially at a lower salary level. And guys that are starting to pop now would be someone like a James Washington who may not get that much run and maybe ignored that he could he could get a touchdown i mean it even has uh, benny snell jr maybe he can get a carry and get a yeah, touchdown someone along the vulture, way vulture vulture yeah touchdown. you can get I a mean, vulture touchdown the, yeah. yeah so it's, it's mean, those it's just those types of guys that start popping and when you see the total going down a bit more yeah that's interesting okay so we got one final game we got the titans and broncos they uh kind of finish off uh our week one slate here it's been kind of interesting like the spread open for denver minus three um seen a lot of news since thing i think the titans signed javadion Clowney. von miller's course been out for or is going to be out for basically the rest of the year so the spread has actually swung six points since the opening and now sits at the titans minus three and uh it seems like betters are all over the titans they've obviously pushed that spread price quite a bit but we've seen you know a significant amount of cash and tickets on them as well so we still have maybe maybe a small percentage of value for the Titans, but that you know minus three or plus three number, I guess, for the away Titans is uh, definitely kind of taking a lot of the value out of that. So I'm wondering, do you have any uh, pretty good showdown slate targets or anything that you're kind of looking for from this slate of, or this game from a showdown's perspective? Yeah, I mean, it's it's somewhat similar to the last slate in that you have the big dog, Derrick Henry, who's pro, who's going to be highly, highly sought after, but that could wipe out any sort of value that he has. Um, if you go a bit further down, I think there's some uncertainty in how the backfield is going to play out for the Broncos, um, especially if now they're trailing in the game. You have guys like Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon that both of them could catch passes, how they could be used. One of them could sneak up, but they're at somewhat of a higher price. So I think if you scan a bit, a bit further down, down um you know sonorous perry is the uh is the is the, is the backup now <laughs> they did no one would have even thought of him and he's basically free at, at this point with darrington evans not playing so he's a guy that you could maybe throw some stuff at that people are not looking at and again you know ryan Tannehill, i have a feeling that he's going to be somewhat disrespected in this matchup just because of the fact that you know henry's the engine of the offense and those sort of narratives that go into it and people may be excited by some guys on the other side so um th that would be one reason that i think Tannehill may be a good option yeah, he could be a nice little pivot off of Derrick Henry. Cause could, you know, typically we see the quarterback have a higher captain percentage than most of the running backs, but in this situation, in this game, especially with the lower total, Tiny Hill could definitely be over overlooked. So I think maybe him and you know something like an AJ Brown stack or something like that. Would you be on board with? Or is there any other uh, players that you would be looking to stack Tannehill with? Maybe John O. Smith and something like that. 
Yeah, yeah, I think Smith's a great option. And, and, and you mentioned A.J. Brown. I mean, I guess we'd be hoping for that launching point. Um, but also on the other side, you, you know, you got to get a player to come back in the other direction. So we're going to see what happens with, with Cortland Sutton. And if, you know, if he can't go, and it looks like he's probably not going to go, you're going to have you're going to have Jerry Judy there who, you know, he, we'll have to see what his ownership ends up being. But he hasn't had nearly as much hype as guys like Ruggs and Rager in the offseason, despite the fact that he kind of was the consensus number one guy. He didn't go number one in the draft, but he was the consensus number one guy. So he's a guy who maybe could be could be underowned. in addition to Noah Fan, those would be the two guys that I would be looking to uh, the, uh, on the Broncos offense if Sutton can't go, which it looks like he's probably not. But we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get final word from Schefter and them tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow or maybe tonight here at about midnight or something like that when Schefter usually likes to drop his news. So that's interesting. It does seem like play, you know, just teams in general were pretty cautious with uh, players kind of on that questionable tag. So I do agree with you. I don't know if we're going to see Cortland Sutton actually suit up here on Monday night, which obviously is going to have a lot of effect on the showdown slate. So I would definitely be monitoring uh Kevin's Twitter handle. I'm sure he can give you a lot of information leading up to game time, especially if Court and Sutton's out. So this is Ben Brown. I'm, I was joined by Kevin Cole. We went through basically a lot of the, you know, probably the popular narratives that we're going to see popping up here throughout the week for the Sunday slate of games. We talked both uh, Monday night football games and uh, we're set here. So I thank you for joining us on the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. If you have any other questions, shoot us up on Twitter. Thank you.